Welcome back to Blamo. My guest this week is GQ style staff writer Jake Wolf. Jake and I talk about the anything goes world of personal style and how to find your own. We also discuss the worlds of fast fashion, online reselling, and the so called cool guy tax. Let's do it. Jacob Wolf. Jake Wolf. You're on Blamo. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So the reason why I said Jacob Wolf is because when I was trying to check in to One World Trade, which is where we're sitting in the GQ office, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm here to see Jake Wolf. And the guy said, Jacob Wolf? And I was like, no, I don't know. But he, uh, can I, t- I don't know how to say before we get into anything, it is so intimidating to come into this building. Really? I swear to you. Like, and even when I got in here, like, I had to wait in the, I, I was sat in the little lobby and this person, when I walked in, they looked at me like, what are you doing here? And I was like, motherfucker, I'm supposed to be. <laughs> well, that happens all the time, even to me as someone who works here. You know, it, it, it's funny because the people who stand outside of One World Trade Center, they, it's not like you have to like show your badge every time you come into the building, mm-hmm. but they're sort of like a, like unofficial filter but like it's it's all about like the swagger that you carry when you walk into the building like if you when i'm walking in like in the beginning of the day i have to like literally mentally every morning be like act like you work here <laughs> even though I, i've been doing it for like almost like you know two and a half years now it's like i see the security guards and you just get like that like feeling like if you're trying to like get into like a club or something and it's like a bouncer you like every morning you get like a little bit of that feeling where you're just like <laughs> right i have to act like i belong here otherwise they'll be like do you work here and then i have to be like yeah and they're like well can i see your id and i'm like yeah i do like i that's a whole thing <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 definitely a process to for for guests for sure i yeah. had like i had it a few days ago i had um we were doing uh we were doing a shoot uh with uh playboy cardi um that'll be up next week so it doesn't nice. matter that i'm saying that but um there was uh yeah he had like 11 people who are with him because it's like that's just what rappers do and there was like a barber that he brought and, you and, your and whole thing. he had his whole entourage and you know there uh was about 11 people and so signing all of those people in was like kind of kind of crazy but <laughs> yeah. um yeah um so anyway i want to make sure that you came on because you are like the voice of the youth the unofficial official like streetwear guy and also mm-hmm. especially of gq you're like that yeah. voice you're the you're the youth culture talk yeah i think um well i don't know if for all for all of the youth i think there's a, a lot bigger voices out there in, in general but I think that at GQ, I've sort of, you know, I sort of came in having come from the complex four pins world and GQ, obviously not really having a background in that whole universe and sort of basically ignoring it for for the most part and sort of building it up um, to the best of my abilities to to sort of prove to the people here that um, it's worth covering. And I think that uh, since I've been here in 2014, I've sort of um, been able to prove that that you know we have a we have an audience a younger audience that um, is into that kind of thing and as as GQ grows as a business I know that uh, the the youth is definitely an audience that GQ is much more interested in as the years go along as evidenced by our new Snapchat Discover page which everyone should sign up for subscribe Pete Snapchat the G- GQ Snapchat GQ Snapchat is on Discover now so um, yeah we're definitely interested in in younger people now and I think that. Um, there is a, a real interest in it, and I'm, you know, happy that I've been able to to write about things that, that I find interesting in that space. So you had earlier you mentioned complex and stuff like that. You didn't just w- kind of start at GQ, right? Where did you start beforehand? So the um, funny thing is, I started at Hype Beast in 2011. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Oh, uh, I, was I didn't at, even know that. Yeah, I was, I was at Hype Beast in 2011 when I was a junior in college. Um, Where'd you go to school? Uh, I, my first two years, I was at Temple University in Philadelphia, and then nice. I transferred to Parsons, the new school for design, in 2011. Um, and, you know, I had just started school in New York. Um, I had done internships um, in New York after my freshman and sophomore year for a um, company that still exists uh, called Berkman Bros. Um, they were like a GQ Best Team Menswear Designer in 2010. Oh, yeah. And that's how I found out about the them. The Gap twin dudes, they, they used to work at Gap, right? Uh, they're not twins, actually. People think that they're twins, but they're, they're actually a year apart. My um, bad. No, no. They're, people think they're <laughs> twins. It happens all the time. People think they're twins, but they're not. Um, they made the bracelets. They made... The, the they Kanye made, bracelets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I actually was the one who 
you know, since I'm like a huge Kanye fan, um, maybe even a bigger Kanye fan than the person you think is the biggest Kanye fan, Lawrence. Um, oh, but, shit. I, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he and I could, could probably like do a trivia contest one Yeezy day. fan off. Yeah. Um, which would be extremely embarrassing. <laughs> but um, so in 2011, yeah, I was like watching the live stream of Coachella, like in my dorm room. And I was like, those bracelets look like really super familiar. And then I sort of like screen capped as much as I could and like zoomed in and like whatever. And then it turned out that they were, um, Berkman were, Bros. were Berkman Bros bracelets. And it was so, I mean, just thinking back is so funny. There was one time where me and a couple other dudes who worked for Berkman Bros at the time um, this dude, uh, Kent, uh, was one of my good friends who works for Brunello Cuccinelli now, but, um, we saw like Virgil it, at the standard hotel, um, carrying like those like dry cleaner bags full, like six of them with all those like Celine shirts that Kanye wore at Coachella. And this yeah. was like a few months after that. And then we ha- were like working for Berkman Bros at that time. We were like, oh my God, we like went up to Virgil and we're like, yo, dude, we work for Berkman Bros. Like, you know, Kanye loves the bracelets. Isn't that so cool? And he's like, yeah, man, he really likes those bracelets. Bye. <laughs> That was, it was, I mean, that was, that was crazy. But um, anyway, so I, I started a hype piece in 2011, which basically happened because um, they literally tweeted out that they were looking for writers and they were like, send an email us at blah, 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 like with writing samples and whatever in your resume. And I did. And then they got back to me and they're like, yeah, like, so here's the position that we have for you. Um, it is uh, basically weekdays during the week between seven and 8 a.m is your shift because the way that hype sort of works and i don't know if people know this is like you log into your wordpress account and then basically there's like a bunch of posts in there and a lot of times like they'll just like assign your writer name to a thing mm-hmm. and it'll just say like this post needs text and then so you would be like all right well they assigned this to me and then you jump in and write whatever whatever it was about there's usually like a press release in there and like a couple links and whatever and then um so i did that for a while like before class like from seven to eight in the morning and hypebeast doesn't really pay um uh which was fine at the time because i was in college and i just thought it was exciting to write for hypebeast yeah but it was good it's good cred right good cred and yeah. basically living in new york and and hypebeast being based in hong kong um it was actually good because they didn't have a lot of people sort of on the ground in new york and so i sort of was able to leverage um the hype beast name into like just like hitting people up on twitter randomly and being like hey i write for hype beast like can i do a story on you and then sort of like retroactively asking for permission from like <laughs> eugene khan at hype beast who's no longer there um That's so good, I, good strategy yeah, yeah so i i did that with a couple people i did it with like the odd future people when they'd had a pop-up in 2012 in new york um and I did it with uh, the late, great Glenn O'Brien, um, which was a really awesome uh, experience for me because I was obviously a huge fan of his. Like, I know basically everyone in menswear was. And so I basically hit him up on Twitter and said, hey, I write for Hypebeast. And like, I think you're so awesome. Like, can I like interview you about, you know, how to be a man, which I think had come, come out somewhere, some time along then. Um, his book. His book, How to Be a Man. Yeah. yeah. And um Went to his apartment. Um, it was crazy because I was like super, super, super nervous. Um, like the whole entire interview, I was like, when I played it back later, like on my phone, my voice was like shaking because I was just super, super nervous <laughs> to be sitting to be sitting in his apartment and like behind him is like you know this hand drawn like Basquiat, like just um, like just drawing behind him the whole time, and it's just like tons and tons of amazing artwork there, and also right. just the fact that he was uh, so important to me um, and. Um, so I did that and a couple other things like that. And then um, after that, I uh, heard about Four Pins. And that's sort of when I got introduced to Lawrence. And then uh, he Lawrence had, Schlossman. Yeah, Lawrence Schlossman, who was the editor-in-chief of, of, of Four Pins and now is the brand director at Grailed. And um, I hit him up and uh, we started talking. And then I had, I had a story, actually, that was supposed to be for GQ. Free, I was freelancing, trying to find other stuff, and I did a thing that was supposed to be for GQ um, that was about tattoos or something, and then, um, which I did with my friend um, uh, Frankie, uh, who goes by the name Eknarf on Twitter and stuff. Um, and then, that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so he has like a bunch of crazy tattoos, and I did this photo shoot with him and interviewed him about tattoos, and then GQ like um was basically like yeah we actually don't know if this is the right fit or whatever and then i was like to lawrence i was like hey i have this thing like 
do you want to use it for four pins? And then he sort of like four pins eyes it like with Lawrence, like added a bunch of jokes and stuff to it. And then expletives, so expletives and, 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 and stuff like that. Can we swear <laughs> on this? You can swear. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and shit like that. And so, yeah. um, yeah. And that was the first thing I did for four pins and, um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. I think like the, the interesting thing to me is so where I'm only just like barely older than you, but we're kind of close to the same age. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you've always kind of been this voice of streetwear, this voice of like, for me, you were getting into the stuff that I, I don't know, I'm not old, but it made me feel like you were in a Snapchat, you knew how that worked. You were in like, you've known all about all the the Kanye stuff way before Kanye was like actually making clothes Mm -hmm. way before it was like Yeezy was a brand. And I don't know. So I've always looked to you as what is actually happening. Like, in the worlds of streetwear, like right now, you're wearing it's the Balenciaga jean yeah, jacket, yeah, 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 which Kanye wore, which I, I will be completely unshameful in saying that I saw him wear it and thought it was cool. Went to the store, tried it on, was like, "Fuck, this looks really good." And then, <laughs> um, luckily, know some folks who were able to hook me up and like, oh, there you go, and not not free, not free, but yeah, um, uh, it's a very expensive jacket if you don't know people, <laughs> yeah. But like you got, you're this, this, the voice of the youth of streetwear. And I, I was just more trying to figure out like, not just how you got it, but like, what were the things that you've always like been open to and the things that you were interested in? And I think, because yeah, you're a Kanye fan guy, but mm. there's obviously a lot more stuff than that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the um, I, I guess I have always been interested the thing is i actually don't really come from that whole like streetwear thing like my my entire and my entire entry point into like the whole like sneakers and streetwear thing came from well one just being a kid who always cared about what i wore and and um when you're a kid it just so happens to be that like the coolest shit is sneakers usually yeah um so that's where i started but i'm too young to even have bought or wanted even like jordans as as a kid um so the first like cool sneakers i got were iversons um i mean that's still pretty that's vintage stuff yeah like those those are amazing so well, they, like, they were reeboks right reeboks yeah right they were the answer fours are actually the first ones that i got which had like a zipper on top um which which i'm sure like other like og sneaker heads might think are like super super ugly but i don't when you're a kid and like obviously those are the things that you gravitate to when you're older um so yeah, I, I got into it that way. But like as a teenager, there like I was, you know, I was checking Hype Beast and stuff like that, and checking Kanye's blog too, which like took a lot of stuff from Hype Beast too. That's uh, right, Kanye had a blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that to me was a very, I mean that's that's where it all starts in terms of being like a huge Kanye fan. Is is I mean other than the music is like you know him just going to his site every day just to see like whatever weird Swedish tree houses he was like posting or like. Or like when he was like doing 808s and he was always posting like weird, um, like he was posting songs from like Grizzly Bear and posting songs from like Francis and the Lights and oh a lot of, a lot of this like weird. Like, Is this blog still active? No. If you go on like Wayback Machine, you can you can find it though because I I did that once when I worked at Four Pins um, to do a post that was like like ten things Kanye's blog predicted and nine it didn't or something like that. Oh damn. Um and. Uh, but yeah, I, I I wasn't like into the whole like, you know, like when in 2002 when those like Supreme Nike Dunks came out, like I didn't know what Supreme was. Like I my my I actually was more interested in like in, when I went to college in 2009, I was more into like GQ, you know, like and like Tom Brown and and things like that because um other than the fact that that, you know, is is just like where the menswear culture was at the time. Mhm. It just, I don't know, it just was the most appealing to me. Things like APC jeans and like I bought my first pair of raw jeans in like 2009. I bought my first Tom Brown shirt in 2009. Like, I mean, that was like the look at the time. Yeah, like red wing boots. I had red wing boots and I put blue laces in them. You know, like all that. All Wait, that what's sh- the significance of blue laces? I just thought that was like a trend for a hot minute of like dudes putting colorful laces in their like red wing boots. Oh, gotcha. At least, I don't know. It's no, like- well, see, like I identify with a lot of that stuff too because you'll try everything. Yeah. And I'm I'm like that too. I yeah, yeah, yeah. there's not a single brand that I'll look at and I'll be like, "Oh, that's stupid or that's not my style or that's like I was talking to Noah Johnson yesterday. Not on the pod, but we were just talking and 
I was like, you're really good at finding... Senior narc dad in chief. Yeah, about finding like a couple pieces from different brands. Like you have your brands that you like, but you've always maintained like the Noah Johnson style and aesthetic. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm actually embracing that now that I'll just try anything and everything. Yeah. And I think you're, you're a little bit like that too. Yeah, and I absolutely am. I, I, you know, I like to just try, try new stuff. And a lot of times I think that that, that is fun. It's fun for me. And to like, it also opens you up really like hardcore to people being like, you know, you're just like jumping on a trend or whatever. But I just think like, to me, I, I've always not really, really cared about like this idea of like, you know, being super, super cool because like you just have like a uniform and like, that's just what you do, man. You know, it's just, like, <laughs> I just like don't care about clothes. I just have like my daily uniform, you know, and I'm just like, that's like fine. And like, I respect that so much. And I, I'm, I'm sure that like, you know, like literally just yesterday, like Jound told me that, like when I interviewed him about his vans that are coming out, he's like, yeah, like I just wear like a t-shirt and the same pair of jeans every day and like whatever. And I'm like, I envy that because I'm sure that you have like a mental clarity that comes with that. But to me, it's like just way more fun just to like be like, fuck, that looks cool. I'm going to try that today. And like, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to wear a suit. And like now I'm going to wear like a Supreme t-shirt the next day. It just is like, I don't know. It just seems kind of boring to, to just like, I don't know, be sort of cynical about the whole thing and think that like the only way to have personal style, quote unquote, is to like just wear the same thing every day. And no disrespect, obviously, to Noah J, who I think has amazing style, even though he like only buys things that are navy blue colored. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I'll tell him that. And that's, I mean, that's the thing of, I mean, I guess a lot of guys and people when they think about like, oh, my style icons, and they, they mention people whom, I don't know, they'll say like McQueen and uh, uh, Paul Newman and, and everyone will always like throw a family member in there too. Um, and I, I, while I do think that's cool, I think, at least the time and stuff that we're at now, it's very similar to, say, the 80s and, and the early 90s when it was, like, loud and designery. And, like, I just watched this documentary about Gianni Versace the other day. Mm -hmm. And his thing was all about, you know, exploring beauty and, like, loud colors and, you know, like, crazy exotic cuts and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think, like, that's definitely more of, like, what we're seeing now. And it's tough because you have companies and businesses that are really all about no 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 you can still have this cool italian playboy look which it's fine that people are doing that but that's not really like the trend or anymore or that's not really like the look and i don't and i think i don't know like i don't think i could ever be in a situation in which i have five or six pieces and that's what i wear for the rest of my life yeah me neither and sean hotchkiss actually wrote a really amazing story in gq a couple months ago yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, great. Oh, it was on, all right. He was on the podcast. You guys talked about it. So like that, that for example, again, like I envy it. I think it's great. And I'm like happy for Sean. And like, you know, I think like I've probably, you know, when I had a Tumblr, I probably reblogged like a couple pictures of like just like a perfect apartment with like one clothing rack. And, like, <laughs> you have like two jackets and like two pairs of Common Project sneakers. And like, that's like all I wear. I'm good to go. It just is like, I don't know like I, to me it's more it's more interesting just to like buy something and then like wear it to death for like a few months and then just like sell it on grailed or something and then just like use that to like get the next thing and just like keep it moving and just like not be afraid to try new things i'm sure like and sometimes i i, I say that now but like sometimes i just like throw up my hands and i just get frustrated and i'm like forget it i'm like forget it i'm, I'm done with it like i'm just i'm getting rid of everything in my closet right i'm going full like you know, Marie Kondo, like just getting rid of everything. It's going to be, I'm going to do it super minimalist. And then just like, that's the woman who like her thing is like, what does it turn everything, anything that doesn't bring you pleasure, you have it's to get like rid holding of. it in your hand or something. And like, if it doesn't give you pleasure, yeah, then you have to throw it away. And then, but see, I can justify that with every article. Yeah, I have. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it just doesn't really work for me. But, um, but it, to, to bring it back, you know, to like, to GQ and what I do now, like, it, it, the fact that we are in such a just everything goes sort of time and style like there are so many different ways in which people can dress and also look cool and acceptable like we're not living in a in a place now where like there is a pervasive aesthetic that is sort of like the cool aesthetic and like you can be cool and, and wear like you know bolioli suits and you can be cool and wear supreme and you can be cool and and wear rick owens like it's all 
all cool now. And but that actually makes it really, really hard, I think, for someone to like if I were just if I didn't care about style until a month ago, right. I would kind of feel really, really lost right now. And so I think that at GQ what I've sort of tried to do, um, and I think a lot of times what maybe gets um maybe can bother some of the people who are maybe like a hardcore streetwear people like and hardcore like sneakerhead people maybe about some of the things that i write is i and i always try if you know everyone to talk i'm always trying to like explain to them um that the thing is that it's it's not it's not like what we do at gq to sort of be like about this this idea of uh of getting into the nitty-gritty and like of like this whole cult streetwear culture and like explaining like every little thing that's ever happened in streetwear and like staying true to the OGs and like praise to the gods of like like, all that (laughs) stuff. That's fine. And I think that people can do that really well, but I think our job is always service oriented and it's always like, if you're getting into style now, like how can you make sense of this crazy world? Right. And especially when it comes to streetwear, that's always, that's the thing that I try to do is just like, how can we, how can I make sense and pick the things that are actually relevant to a guy who it likes style and maybe likes sneakers, but like isn't obsessed with them. Right. Like, you know? Right. You yeah. You can I mean, like it, but if it, it, like it's the people who, who, if you're obsessed with it, then like, that like GQ is just not the site that you would go to. Like, I, I don't like, I'm you not You go sure to that, a message board yeah, or. You just go, there's so many other places, but if you're like just a guy who wants to look cool and wants to like understand like what the hell these Calabasas sweatpants are that, are, that you're seeing on Instagram, then come to GQ and like, we'll explain it for you. Explain it to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a, that's a very good explanation because I think on one hand you have all these different looks like what you were saying and all of them are cool and all of them are okay. And some of that I think is a cultural shift that's happened in which, and we don't have to get into any of this, but like a cultural shift in where everyone needs to be accepted and all their, their forms and from genders to, you know, uh, everything. Right. And that's good. And that's respectful. But I think, yeah, like where do you start? I mean, if I was, I don't know, if I was 15 and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's cool and what's not, yeah, I would have no idea where to go because everything is fine all of a sudden versus, yeah. you know, I think when I was 13 or 14, the only thing that like you had to have to look cool was Abercrombie. Right. right. Like it's, it's, there was no other brand. And also just like, uh, just being on Instagram, I'm sure is just like, well, first of all, it, it's just made the information so much more available, obviously, mm-hmm. to to kids to know, like, you know, the the fact that, um, like, uh, uh, Michael Chabin's son, the article in GQ, um, what's the kid's name, Abe, mm-hmm. and you know, he did this article, and like, his son is like thirteen and like about to like have his bar mitzvah, and like, knows Raph Simmons, and he was like at Paris Fashion Week, and like knows Off White and Virgil, and it's like, again, like same thing, like when I was thirteen, like. I was like super stoked when I was 13 that I got like a Harford Whalers hoodie. That's dope. <laughs> it was, it's dope now. And like at the time it was dope, but there was definitely like an in-between period where it was just like, I didn't know anything else. And like, that was literally the coolest thing that you could own was like a vintage Harford Whalers hoodie. Yeah. Um, do you think this is, and we don't like have to get crazy into this, but do you think that it's almost a little bit of like a, a miss out or sad now that, because everything's changing so much and so fast that the lifespan of certain items just doesn't last as long. Like you, I mean, you had even said it yourself that you'll get some stuff and you'll get really into it and you'll like it and mess with it and then you'll get rid of it. Um, which part of which is just like financial because like if you like have, if you have expensive tastes and like we got to feed the beast and, and you like work in, <laughs> in, in, in like online writing, like, and you have like taste for like $1,500 jean jackets. Like, <laughs> like you just got to like figure out a way to just like get rid of stuff and make money off it. Otherwise like you're going to not have a house True. Or, or, or rather an, an apartment. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's sad. I think, I, I mean, if there's anything sad about it, it's like wasteful. And like to, like, I think about like environmentally, it's kind of sad that it's like when you have, you know, like with fast fashion, how, you know, they're just literally designed to fall apart after wearing it four or five times. It's like brands like H and M and stuff like that. Well, I don't know if they say that we're fast fashion, but like for me, my experience has been with some of the, the larger brands that can make stuff for really, really inexpensive amounts of money. I mean, it's it's tough to have it hold up. Yeah, I mean to to 
play um play to my GQness right now. Like I I won't mention any brand names, but um the fast fashion industry as as a collective unit, I like that that bums me out because then you have like um uh you know designers who are putting stuff out on the runway and then it's in like a, a it's in a store for fifty dollars in three weeks after that and then it gets three weeks after that it gets thrown in the garbage and that just is like wasteful to the environment but in terms yeah. of just like culturally do i think it's a bummer i mean i don't know i think maybe there's a certain element to it that's like shallower because if you're constantly trying to chase the next thing every couple weeks or like if last season's supreme north face collab is not cool anymore because the new <laughs> one's coming out yeah and supreme is like my favorite brand ever um but did you get the supreme north face collab this, this no, no 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 no, um, no. <laughs> that stuff is kind of expensive actually too um well yeah like that's which like, is crazy too right like every time something sells out that's like you know like the vanson leather jacket that was like 1200 dollars a season or like the comb stuff that sells out i'm like yo like where is this money coming from for these kids? Like, where is the money? Well, I mean, to answer that, I think, one, there's a lot of resellers that are buying it. I mean, of it's course. pretty easy to walk by. Yeah, and you know this too. Like, it's you walk by the Supreme Store in Lafayette uh, in New York, and on a drop day, which is today, Thursday, there is a line of people, but there's a bunch of other people that are waiting to just buy whatever people got and then they're the ones that are selling it like i think i don't i don't know this is me speculating obviously but i think a lot of the people that get supreme that are seen really wearing it like not like the kids and stuff but like celebrities and stuff i don't think that they you know like was is justin Thoreau buying his supreme at a resale shop like round two uh, there's photos that say he probably has. yeah yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, he's not waiting. By the way, I I can't stand the way that he bends the brim on those hats. It drives me nuts. Oh what? On his like supreme hat. Like he'll buy supreme hats and then like, like a five panel or yeah, a six well, panel. Not like he has like. Well, I remember there's a there's a photo of him from a few years ago where he has like the cause like sort of chalk drawing collaboration box logo. Oh wow, that's had, a super rare shirt. Well, he had the hat. Oh, okay. And it's like kind of—I can't remember. It was like, it was like a trucker hat, actually. Yeah. And he like just bends the brim on it, and but like he has a bunch of Supreme hats that he does this to, and it just drives me nuts. I don't know why. It's like either don't wear a Supreme hat, or and like wear just like a regular cap, or just like wear it like it's supposed to be worn. With this like, is like an aggressive curve, right? Like you're, like you're talking about like very, college frat boy. It's very serious. college frat boy. Like, gotcha. Like 1998, like curve to like, like you put it Supreme. in a mug correct <laughs> or like tie a rubber band around it style. did you ever do the thing that i remember the, when there was like the trend of having like a beat up hat did you ever do the thing where you'd like rip the cl- like the cover like cloth, the frayed hat the frayed hat i would take my abercrombie and fitch hat now keep in mind i was because i also had an abercrombie 14 fitch hat, or but 15 I'm, I'm interested to see like what you did to it i would take it and i'd hold the bill uh, I guess like parallel to the street or whatever, and then I would use the con the concrete like the sidewalk yes, as like exactly. sandpaper to kind of fray exactly. the edges, and I'd kind of move it around to fray my my thing because I wanted yeah I wanted it to look like that. It's oh. exactly what I did. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was uh, I don't, and it's funny because some of that stuff is is come back now. I mean obviously like this is probably the '90s, late '90s, and so much of that like look is coming back. I, I was talking to Aaron Levine and he's he's the head of Abercrombie and you know him too yeah, yeah, yeah and we were talking about I was like dude I went to the store and this stuff looks great and like some of this new stuff is really really good and I was like I think it would be cool if you just took basically whatever happened in 1994 and just remake it exactly because I 100% agree I was like because I would he's like uh <laughs> but he was like yeah I mean because I would love to get that that half zip with the the big patch logo that like the patch looks like it's like 3d falling off or something like that and it's all frayed that's the thing i think that that you know i i think aaron's great um but i completely agree with you like if if i were running the show at abercrombie i would be like fuck it like let's bring back bruce weber like let's just go all in and just like bring it back because i think that and that's not to say that like I am like a, like the genius of abercrombie and i know what they should do for their business and they have a lot of other stakeholders involved and and literal stockholders but like i i just feel like we're in a time right now where like if you do that right and you like just lean into like your your past image 
I think that there's a, uh, there's a universe I could see that working in. There's a universe I could see it being a complete fail. And, and, but there's also a universe where I could see like it being like, y- it would be cool for a second. And then you would see like, you know, the Bella Hadids of the world, like wearing an Abercrombie polo and like people would be like, oh man, like that's, that's back. And then like it would, it would pop off from there. Well, one of the Kardashians, I think it was, uh, darn it. I can't remember, but she wore a Von Dutch hat. And you right. remember Von Dutch was like that they were like the trucker hat. Von Dutch the motorcycle guy, but it was like that that hat that oh, everyone had in the early aughts and she There was wore a legendary sidebar, there was a legendary four pins post that never happened that was um and doesn't matter anymore because four point four pins doesn't exist. RIP. Um um and I mean if now that I say this, if anyone were were to do the idea, they would know that they were stealing it from four pins, but it was like the oral history of Von Dutch, but it was like supposed to be like fake. Oh um, really? And I think I think it was like an idea ever since like Noah Johnson was like the running running four pins before he left to go to style.com and then we just like never did it. Um I know that uh Nick Schoenberger he who um was like the deputy editor I believe of like Complex Style and he like oversaw four pins like it was like his sort of like pet project that he always wanted us to do and we never did it. But anyway, that that just reminded me of that. Continue. Well, it's like well that's the thing that I think is really, really hard for someone like Aaron Levine or all these other designers right now because, like what you were saying earlier, everything is cool. Everything is acceptable. You could basically be a brand that's resurrected from the 90s that is identical to what it was then, and people would be like, cool, I get it. And then you'd have another half of the room that would be like, that's so dumb. You should never do that. There's no innovation. Right. There's, and then you have some other half of the room that just is like, well, we want to have an opinion and have a voice too, and it should be this, and it should be this. So it's like, I think those guys like like Raph and and Aaron Levine and and every single designer has like almost too big of a color palette and, and whiteboard to choose from of, because everything's fine and I, I just I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah, I, I would be inundated I think if I were a designer, but I think that I mean like to a certain extent it's it's you have to start asking yourself like maybe it just is like time for people to like move on from like, you know, like, I mean, it's the sad truth of like society that we live in, but like, like not every brand will last. And sometimes like trends just come and go. And if a brand is able to pivot and, and, and get, you know, and find a way to stay relevant, then like, that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes like, it's just, it, it, they're just going to fade away. Like, and, and that's, um, it sucks, like, if you're super nostalgic for a brand, but sometimes it happens, and, like, that's just, that's the truth. Right. Well, what are your thoughts on, like, future fashion brands? And when I mean future fashion, I mean not necessarily, like, a brand, but, okay, say... Like future of the rapper's fashion brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free bands. <laughs> um, so Levi's made a jean jacket that has a Bluetooth thing in it, and it, like, controls your music. No. Yeah. Just no. Like, <laughs> well, I, yeah, what are your thoughts on people brutal. putting tech in their clothing? I think that there is a future that exists where there is wearable technology. Right. I just think that the place that it's in right now is, is, is gimmicky. And as long as it's a gimmick and it doesn't actually improve the jacket itself, it will continue to be a gimmick. And anything that's a gimmick just is never going to succeed. So. Yeah, it's true. The, like, like the, like, a jacket that charges your phone maybe is like the closest that we're getting to it now because like if you're if you're not literally with your phone like then you but like i don't know like charging my jacket seems like another chore that i don't really want to have to do before like you have to remember to charge your jacket actually actually i'm not sure about that i think maybe the junior one was or was it junior or undercover I don't remember. There was one that you had to plug the jacket in. I mean, a lot of people have done it before. I think Burton this last had season, an th- iPod jacket. Yeah, I think that maybe I can't still can't remember if it was Junior or Undercover, but it was like solar panels though. Yeah, that actually charged charged the jacket, which you can then charge your phone. But like, that's as close as we are right now. And I I just think like a, a Bluetooth Levi's jacket. I don't even I haven't seen that, but that just is not not it. And yeah. like, and and I mean, I, that's about as as. Well, what as about future shoes and and what about the the Nike? Did you did you get to check I tried out those? those Nike? Yeah. Were yeah. they cool? Yeah. So that's a thing that I like. Definitely was skeptical of leading in the lead up to it, and then it also is one of those things that like you know you try and then like you get sold really hard on it. Like when you try, but I mean, you know, when you have a lot of Nike PR people around you too, and like I, it's sort of easy to get swept up and be like, oh, I totally get it now. Like it's amazing. <laughs> 
Well, um, people are more into future stuff on future technologies on footwear than they are on totally a jacket. And I think the self-lacing thing is super. It was fun to use, and like it, the shoe on my foot felt awesome because it literally, you know, is it, it like secured it itself secures itself to your foot, and that's cool. And and it right. it felt really good, and like the shoe itself had like a lot of support in it, unlike a lot of Nike running shoes that are sort of like free run all, all that, that stuff, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually had a lot of good support um uh, i'm trying to think of some of the other technologies in footwear that have that have come out recently well it's just stuff like boost um, yeah vapor uh, but that's just like new comfort technology that, yeah. that's not like there's not like anything that's that hasn't been in a shoe like, before yeah, or robotic like or something yeah, yeah yeah like i think the nike self-lacing thing has potential if they can figure out how to make it so that the shoe can adjust in real time, that it can sense, like, if you're out running and it can sense that the shoe is loosening a little bit, and right. then it can, it can understand that and adapt to your foot in real time. Because otherwise, if you're, if you're, like, playing basketball and you're still, like, stopping to, like, find the button on your shoe, to like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it makes that kind of, like, dentist, like, tool sound. Yeah you might as well just tie your shoes you know like so it has potential um but other things like like boost although it's not like technologically advanced are um have been game changing we're referring uh, to, to the adidas, adidas boost technology adidas boost technology which is made by um a company called basf which is like a chemical company in germany and and i think what happened and i'm not 100 percent sure on this but i'm pretty sure that i the whole way that came about was that you know basf had this material right and Adidas essentially bought the the rights to u- exclusively use it. Like okay. they signed a contract with this chemical company, or they worked together with them. I'm not 100 percent sure how that. Yeah, came I mean, about. people used to do that with Dupont and stuff, but over right. decades and decades, I mean, right. it still happens. Right. Like, and you know, you have Scheller or Scholler Swiss Fabric, where people buy the exclusive rights to how the fabric is made. Or totally, yeah, yeah that's totally. All, that's all that stuff in there. But yeah, I don't know. I I often do wonder, like, as everything is okay you know, where do people go? And then how is this stuff supposed to evolve further? Um, because with clothes, I don't know, or like, should it even not be there anymore? Because everything, what? you know, well, every new brand and every new thing, like I get these, I hate the PR pitch where it's the Warby Parker of X. Yeah. Right. So there's like this direct to consumer push. And then all these people are now, because they have all this technology in their hand, they're assuming that that has to be dispersed throughout every other aspect of their life, whether it's their home, like smart homes, to smart cars, to smart clothes. Like, can we be okay to just not have smartness in our clothing? Yeah, um, I think that the smart stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I just don't think it's necessary in today's society to like to like incorporate your phone into your clothing or like your computer into your clothing that much like the apple watch has some sort of has some benefits to it but like i don't own one and i'm fine i'm sure there's a lot of people who feel the same way that i do like i don't like need i, I wouldn't my life wouldn't doesn't seem like it would be changed if i had an apple watch i think that the technologies that we have should be applied to like you know just making making clothes more environmentally friendly and and um you know less wasteful and better price for for um for uh you know better value and better quality while also you know making sure that they offer um that they're like paying people a, a livable wage to, to to make the product i think that's the sort of where where our technologies should put their resources to right i mean there are some brands who are doing that that are trying you know because i know noah tries to do that in which they try to be relatively no in new york the brand that tries yeah. to be like somewhat transparent with mm-hmm. it costs us this much to buy the fabric and assemble it. I think that was great when they did that for that jacket just yeah. so people can see that like $120, I think it was of the eventual $480 retail price were labor. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times that, that is that I, I don't think a lot of people know that labor is the number one cost of most garments to make. If you're, you know, if you're paying people what they deserve and that's like where, where brands can cut corners the easiest because it is such, it's not a real thing. It's like just a person, it's like just quote unquote, just a person's like life and time. Yeah. Um, so that's where costs get cut a lot is in, is in the labor. Um, so I think that, I think that was really great. And I think that, that Noah is setting a good example and you know, you, your, your hope is that, um, 
brands that are of much larger sizes will look at Noah and want to adopt some of those policies as well. Yeah, I think that the, that's kind of pie in the sky. I understand it makes me like whatever, but I, I it's not not right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's tough to do for the luxury industry, and I'm not trying to get you to to comment or rip on any of these brands or anything, but you know, Noah was the brand was very clear about like this is our margin. Like this is how much we make and we need this to pay staff and pay salaries and pay rent and you know and taxes and so on. And a lot of super high-end designer things, their margin may be I don't know, 15x that. A lot. Yeah. yeah. And because, you know, is like example a jean jacket. Is the jean jacket really that much? No, they're they're using a lot of that margin for I don't know, the lux of the brand. Mm-hmm. I mean a a great example, and I'm fine saying this because, like, I have a Rolex. I love Rolex. I'm trying to understand why I even like it, or why if if it's even important in my life, or it's some sort of weird thing. Um, but no way in hell does that watch actually cost that much money. There's a obviously a thick margin on that because it's the it's the cool guy cool guy tax, right? And I think that's hard to get people to swallow the cool guy tax if you're going to be transparent. <laughs> No, a hundred, hundred percent. I th- that you raise an interesting, interesting question because I think that I'm someone who, who a lot of times will defend the price points of brands, like you know, like if it's like a Balenciaga or, or something. Like, sure, I'll defend it because there, I actually think that there is value in in people are like, oh, you're just paying for the label, but like, I think that it's you could argue that the label does have value because oh, yeah. it is like no, it's like no, 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 like but it. it you're right, but it is Balenciaga, though. Yeah. You know, like, like that. I am paying for the label because it's Balenciaga, and because Balenciaga stands for something, and it has like, and you know, it has this history of of being luxury. And you know, quite frankly, it's really hard to maintain like a level of cool for like seventy five years or however long they've been around. So sure. The fact that they can still get away with charging that price and that people are still considering them cool, that means that they had to make a, a lot of right decisions along the along the lines to like retain their status in 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 the fashion world and in society so there is a certain argument to be made for like yeah like people and like if people want to buy it and they charge that much then i guess it was worth that yeah and i that's i guess like trying to understand the perception of value is the the tougher part and that's yeah that's a good point because i don't know some people are going to see that value and be into it and other people aren't and so what of of the stuff that we were talking about are there any specific brands or pieces that you have that you will just never get rid of that like say, you know, that have like a ton of value to it down the road? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's why I keep them though, because they have value down the road. Well, I, I don't mean monetary value. I just mean something that's important to you. Oh, or that's like, something yeah, you would yeah, keep. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I have like a pair of like, uh Saint Laurent army boots like like from like one of the first like first collections from like 2014 no i think 2014 or 15 i got them 14 i got them in 2014 so when when hedy slimane came back yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 and they're just like you know plain black army boots but you know i they're like really beat up and they're like at my desk right now but i i won't get rid of those just because they're like just my go-to like dressy sort of looking shoe boots that yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to feel good because they're Saint Laurent and they make me feel good about myself inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Because cool. the cool guy tax. Yeah, the cool guy tax, man. It makes you feel good inside. It's, it's yeah. That, um, knowing the tax I gives know, back. I know that I'm wearing Saint Laurent boots and yeah. that makes me feel good, which is sad. But no, <laughs> it's true. Um, but um, other other things like I have. Um, I have like some Supreme t-shirts. Like I have just have like a random, oh, I have a Supreme M65 that I wore yesterday. That's from 2011. That is like a navy blue one that just has like a patch that says airborne on it. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so it came. I got the the elephant print or the giraffe print of that one. I thought it was zebra. Or maybe it was zebra. That was zebra. Because there was was a white zebra and an olive green zebra and then a plain navy. And me and my friend, uh, Ken, who again works at Brunello and we were working at Birkin Bros at the time, we um so so nerdy we like went to we were going to the capsule trade show in paris the next day and then we were like we need to get some new outfits <laughs> yeah man <laughs> to, go, to go to paris and then <laughs> and so we like went to supreme and um we uh literally both bought that same jacket and we both still have it to this day but it's like it's an amazing it's an amazing jacket and it literally 
I wear it so much and it goes with everything. I'll never get rid of that. Wait, it, did, you said you went and got it at Supreme. Did you just walk into Supreme? Yeah, was, yeah. I just walked in and there was just like. I guess it was easier. Then. I think it was on sale. Really? I, oh, yeah. Supreme did used to go on sale. I think they they still do. I mean, I, actually, they I don't know. In this, they didn't. No. no. Yeah, it was on sale. This this navy. So everyone who slept on it, you you slipped because that's one of the best jackets. Um, but yeah, it. it I think it like was retail for like two twenty originally, and I think it was on sale for like one sixty or something. That's not too bad. Yeah, it was. I was like, that was that was a come up for sure. So then, so there are some pieces, and there are things that you're just like, okay, I'm gonna keep this forever. And they're usually just classic things that like no one could really get sick of, like plain black boots and like a navy M sixty five. Like those are things that are always going to be like go tos. Um, yeah, well, and stuff that's easy that can kind of. It's just like when you don't know what to wear that day and you're just like, I guess I'll just wear my M65 again for like the third time this week. <laughs> right. And then on the other end of that spectrum, and this will wrap up pretty soon here, is is there stuff that you've gotten? And it's not like, oh, what are your biggest regrets? But are there things that you get and you're like, okay, this basically only works with one look. I got to get rid of this. Or Yeah, like all the time. Um and I have, a, I, I get super bad buyer's remorse. Um, <laughs> where it's like that thing where you're just like obsessed about getting something for a really long time and then you finally get it. And then as soon as you're like leaving the store, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why the fuck did I care so much about, get, about like saving my money to like buy this thing? And now that I have it, like, I don't even fucking care. Yeah. And that makes you feel like a crazy person because yeah. you're just like, you're like, I had this itch inside and now I scratched it and now the itch is gone. And like, I, maybe I just liked the itch. Maybe you feel I'm, empty. Maybe I'm crazy. Like maybe, maybe the itch was the best part. Yeah. You know? That's why, you know, people get addicted to crystal meth. Oh man. Well, that's, <laughs> that's extremely real. Um, I'd rather be addicted to like buying flip, some... flipping clothes and buying clothes than like drugs. You are. So you're flipping clothes. What are, what are, uh. Where are you flipping them at? Oh, like I mean, I I, I use Grailed and I use I use eBay. Um, um, yeah, I think that Grailed is a great thing for yeah. a lot of reasons. I get frustrated. I like using eBay a lot because people seem to be more reasonable on eBay. Like, there's still crazy people on eBay, but I think people. Well, are, there's yeah, there's crazy people everywhere. There's crazy people everywhere, but I think on eBay there are a lot more people who are like serious shoppers on eBay. Yeah. Or just there to like buy stuff and to like, and like, so there's like normal people who just are like, I like that jacket and I'm gonna buy it. And like, just cause I like the way it looks and it's my size and like, great, I'm done. Like, on Grail, because everyone is, is like an obsessive, you just get the dude who like asks you 9,000 questions. Hey man, can you like text me at this number and send me 18 more photos? Yeah. And then like, and then they'll be like, hey, would you actually do it for this price? And then like at the end, they're like, oh, actually, I got it for a better price. Sorry, man. And like you just like spent three hours like negotiating via text with some stranger. And then they just bail and you're like, God damn it. Yeah. And that happens a lot on Grailed. But, you know, I think it's a great service. And as a person who likes to buy clothes, I like browsing Grailed all yeah. day. I mean, I definitely will buy stuff on Grailed. I, I was selling stuff, but I think like eventually you have to. Like the people that'll do it, you have to turn into like a full time job. Like what you were saying, because I had a kid hit me up, and it had to have been a kid or an adult that just had horrible grammar and couldn't yeah. spell anything yeah. right, and was like, "Yo, like let me get this and like SMH, I need that." And like I'm like, "What?" Like I had no idea what he wanted, and then I sold it to him. Homie filed a chargeback on me. Damn. Yeah, and uh, luckily I won. <laughs> but he was like, "Dude, this is fake," and I was like, "It's not fake. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was a Stone Island Supreme hat right. that I that I bought that I thought that I needed. And when I got it, I put it on. I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm an idiot.' And I just like exactly what we just said. I, you know? I put it right back in the box. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll take some photos and sell this because I use the photos of uh like from Supreme right, right. to sell it, and then I like took some other crappy ones. And it's amazing. Like I can take a great photo of a sunset from a rooftop, but if when it comes to taking a photo of a hat that I own, it's gonna look like some shaky piece of junk. Yeah, I think honestly it makes it almost better. Like I've convinced myself that like the lazier I am with those product photos, the better because it just makes it look more legit almost. Yeah. Like if they're too fancy, it's like something's off here. Like this dude's too good at selling me on these sneakers. Um, so it's kind of, you kind of have to make it, you have to personalize it with your product photos. Well, I found a dude on eBay who, cause I mean, since I, I left the armory, I have a lot of clothing 
there, which is fine and I'm happy with, but I was like, okay, I got to thin the herd here. And so I put a bunch of it online and uh, I was like, you know, I, I, like, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a bunch of money on this. I just need to get rid of it. And uh, I put it on there and then I get a message from this guy and I'm an idiot because I took photos of it and in some of the clothing, it says your name on the, uh, on the inside. So it said like Jer or whatever. And uh, this guy messaged me and he's like, oh, like, is, it, uh, is this from the Armory? Did you used to work there? And I was like, uh, no, I, <laughs> I got it from some other guy. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he's like, well, you know, uh, I'll make you an offer for this, change it to the buy it now and that's fine. So I change it and I sell it to him. And then I'm an idiot because my PayPal address has my full name. My, my PayPal address isn't my pseudo name, which is like Jason right. Kirkland or whatever I'll use. It was Jeremy Kirkland. And he's like, wait, this, you are from the army. I was like, no, I'm doing this for him. I'm a sell. I like That's made so all this BS up. But long story short, like selling to dudes on eBay was a little bit easier just, and I'm not like no shots fired at Grail, but it was like, it was an older dude. It was like yeah. this like 40 year old doctor in Boston. Right. Whom I know like is not going to fucking listen to this. Yeah, and it's, it's just like, yeah, eBay does have a level of anonymity that Grail doesn't provide you. Yeah, well, because well. there's millions and millions and millions of people. Like, there are it. celebrities who use Grail, like, that, you know, I won't mention any names because I don't want to get, like, anyone at Grail because those are my friends in trouble. But, like, the celebrities who use Grail, like, if you ever talk to them is, like, because it's the same thing for them. Like, they just know who everyone is who's, like, using the thing. And so, right. like, it doesn't say their name, but, like, you can, like, your email address is attached and so you can sort of like put two and two together to figure out who people are um and it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> like what some of these celebs like be shopping for I'm thrilled. <laughs> that's pretty good um so we're starting to wrap up a little bit what is what are the things that you've been working on right now at gq so my big thing right now is really just diving in deep on sneakers because i think that that um has proven to be a really really rich um audience for us a very engaged audience a very young audience which is all good things for the future of gq and so we are you know in the process of really ramping up our sneaker coverage which i'm sort of um uh, spearheading and um so wait what does that entail it, it just entails like doing more stories about sneakers really and are you and, gonna go to sneaker con type things or is that like too deep yeah, I mean, I don't think so is my initial inclination because, like I said, it's the same thing as before. It's I want we want to attract appeal to people who like sneakers but aren't obsessed with sneakers, right? So, okay. no, I did, and I think that like no shots again to like any other website out there that does this, but like just that that whole culture of um, like we're gonna like show you a video of this sneaker guy's house and like look at look how many sneakers this rich guy has. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> And I'm yeah. just like, that's not super interesting because I'm not really surprised that like a rich guy has a lot of rare sneakers that he purchased for several thousands of dollars. Or a lot of rare anything. Oh, yeah. you're very, very wealthy and you can afford all this stuff? Totally. Makes sense. Like, so, so, like, <laughs> like God bless people who like make sure, those sure. pieces and, and who want to click on those articles and watch those videos. That's great. Like, that's fine. There is a culture around that. I think maybe our thing, again, is always looking through at the lens of like how um, serviceable is this information um and how can we educate people and how can we sort of weed through the the insanity because talk about talk about insanity like the sneaker world is totally insane right now yeah so how do we sort of weed through that and pick out the essential bits to get to the gq reader um in a lot of ways we've done that already with you know i do sneaker of the week every week and and uh i like my photographers um matt martin and alex reside they both have like really done a good job of establishing like the gq sneaker photo look um, mm -hmm. which is like very, very bright. Uh, we use really bright colors in the background a lot, um, a lot of light. And, you know, they sort of like make the sneakers float in cool ways and, and do things like that. And um, a lot of other websites steal those photos, uh, which is evidence <laughs> of how good they are. So I think we've done a good job of establishing um, our voice in that way. And I think now it's just about taking the next few steps to, um, because I mean, the, at the end of the day, the fact is just resources right now. Like it's literally just like me writing about most of the sneaker stuff. Um, right. So I, we just need more more people to sort of be helping out and and um, and just throwing more because there's so many stories in the sneaker world right now. But I just can't do them all by myself. Right. I I did I did tweet out a few weeks ago that we are looking for people to um to do some sneaker writing for GQ and um if people want to email me or hit me up on Twitter, you know, 
please, please do that. I can't guarantee that I will get back to you, but I can, <laughs> I can, I, I like, I can't guarantee that I'll tweet you back, but I'll see it. Yeah, you'll see it, <laughs> and see if it it's good, Twitter. you'll you'll check it out. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see your email. So. I noticed you are wearing some sneakers right now. Yeah. That it's obviously this is an audio podcast. No one can see this, but I'll put a link to these, or I'll try to put a link to them. They're these white Reeboks. Yeah, these are the the, the poor man's Adidas Power Phase Calabasas ones. They're kind of, sick. But these are like just the workout plus sneakers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That are like you know you can just buy them easily, and they obviously look really similar to those Adidas Power Phases that. Kanye just did with the Calabasas stuff, um, but um, I mean that's a big thing. Most most dudes aren't wearing Reeboks anymore, unless you go to Britain and like if yeah. you wear those and you have a bald head like me, yeah, five hundred ones, they're gonna think you're a who. I think it's only like the second time I've worn these because like they're when sick. I, when I wear them with like the Balenciaga jacket, it looks like I'm doing like like uh uh like I I forget what the term is, but I came up with like cons play or whatever like so cause like cosplay it's like k-a-n oh con play yeah 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 like kanye cosplay i wouldn't um, mistake you for kanye you look good though thank you um like kanye <laughs> like kanye cosplay stuff but i uh as you can see at my desk over there i have like so many sneakers that you know much to the chagrin of of some of the people who i work with they're like why do you have so many sneakers at your desk and i'm like i don't know because i just why do you got so many pens at yours Maybe you should be friends with sneaker brands and they'll send you free sneakers too. Yeah, yeah, It's not yeah. my problem. <laughs> uh, so you got sneaker stuff. Any other, any other big things you're working on or is that like confidential, which is fine? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the sneaker thing is really, again, just like where most of my attention is, is right now. Um, because I think that, I think that the, the sneaker world has reached a point where it has expanded beyond the obsessives and and the cool teens. Um, as much as I love to self-identify as a twenty-five-year-old cool teen, um, <laughs> not the oldest of the cool teens. Lawrence can have that title. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence who, who is still just, a teenager who but just turned thirty. Yeah, but he's thirty. Um, <laughs> maybe I wonder if he'd be pissed that we just said that how old he was. Um, no, he's cool. He knows. Uh, he knows. He's thirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think it's expanded beyond that, and there's like a lot of like. I talk to so many dudes who are not in men's or at all, you know, like dudes who I play basketball with and, and just friends I have from home or like my roommate who's in law school and they like buying new sneakers, like, but they just don't know even where to start. Um, and they like the idea of wearing cool sneakers, but like they are not going to wear Yeezys and they don't care about wearing Yeezys or like buying the new Jordans or like whatever they just like want right. to know like what is cool and like what they can like get sent a link to right now to just like, hand over their 150 dollars and i think that is the space that is a there's a lot of people in that space and i just don't think they're being um service service yeah, yeah. in the right way um and that's that's basically what we're setting out to do in in all ways whether it's writing on the site whether it's social media whether it's videos um i'm like literally in the process of like writing all this down in like a in like a like a pitch like a deck like a I'm, deck I'm, I'm, i've like I, i've i've always like a reason that i'm in editorial and not on the ad side is because i hate decks yeah decks are not fun <laughs> anytime and people on that other side of like the office love talking about decks yeah i've been working on a new deck i got an rfp rfps decks. oh heavens to betsy yeah. i can't handle that <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for paying my everything yeah <laughs> thank you for getting money that goes into my direct deposit every other friday you guys are the best uh, <laughs> but yeah any but anyway i'm working on a deck that i'm gonna like probably come into this exact conference room and like put it up on the flat screen in the back there and be like look guys this is what this is what we need. this is what youth culture likes Choose. like and then be and then they're all gonna be like oh is are these the the johns you were talking about <laughs> when, yeah, when, these someone, someone i work with and i won't embarrass him literally last week said like He's like, who is John? <laughs> like J A W N. Who is who is John's? Or like, are, is this John's? <laughs> oh, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but that that's also a really fun part of my job is is just being deep in the Twitter speak and and the menswear speak and just because it's just funny. Like, and then people think you're crazy. Like, like you know, my girlfriend thinks that. Uh, She's just like, what are you, I don't know what you're talking about. You're like SMH, man. Yeah. Just like, I fuck with the vision. She's like, yo, you want, you, do you want to get like pizza tonight? I'm like, yo, I fuck with the vision, fam. Let's build. <laughs> Let's build this pizza on Seamless. <laughs> well, this was awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. And um, yeah.
Yeah, this was good. All right, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Blamo. A big thanks again to Jake Wolf for taking the time to come on. If you like what you heard, leave a review on iTunes. It helps let others know and discover the pod. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last but not least, you can find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. We'll see you next week.